Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. What is up, Pete? It's Thursday night MMA strategy show. How you doing? Because right now I'm not doing too good. As my magic are just getting murdered by the Bucks. Yeah, I took uh, I took some shots on some guys on the magic. Listening to Josh's great contenders video. If you guys haven't checked those out on awesome.com, make sure you check them out. Josh puts out some great picks. Um, I think Evan Fournier is going to pick it up for me though. Bro, I have the worst luck of Evan Fournier. There is just certain guys. I, 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 I look. I love Magic. I've been a Magic fan forever. You know, been through the pain and torture of, of things I've had with this organization. But it's like you know, you know how you like to say like you know, there's just certain things that happen for you in DFS. Like the first the the first racer to tr- crash in an NASCAR yeah. race, he's guaranteed to be in your lineup. Like if I roster Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, guaranteed they will not go off. Yeah, just do me a favor and text me when you're going to do so, so I'm not doing the same thing. Um, yeah, NASCAR DFS, I have the first guy who crashes or has some mechanical issue. Um, you know, in, in fighting, you could be rostering the wrong guy in a volatile fight, and there's plenty of them this card, Jason. This card is absolute hot garbage, and uh, we're going to try our best to break it down for you guys, but it is looking more like a contender series bout than uh, an actual UFC card. So, uh, man, good luck to us. Wow, hot garbage, man. Wow. Is it not, though, Jason? I mean, there are usually some yeah, there are usually some contenders fights that are that are better than this. But uh man, some some interesting spots, some some free squares. But uh, you know, I'm interested to see your take on some fights. Yeah, man. It was uh as I was just kind of, you know, doing my 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 breakdown of some of these fights today, it was like, man, I roster construction is definitely gonna be pretty interesting on this one i guess about the the best way to put it uh you know we've got some you know on the various slates we have some salaries that we do not know uh apparently timur valiev has got a new opponent that being trevin jones someone that uh, i actually interviewed trevin month two months ago mm-hmm. so he trains over in guam and he uh, i saw on his social media about like two weeks ago how he said i'm coming to vegas and i'm come the reason i'm coming to vegas is to be ready for a short notice fight. He's been training at Extreme Couture, so uh, he, he's someone that is uh, very active on Instagram. And the fact that he hasn't really been active like the last twenty four hours, I think that's probably an interesting sign that obviously he's in there. But uh, you know, look, obviously we're going to get into you know questions as we break down these fights, uh, whether that's on YouTube 
or over at the premium Slack account. So get those questions in right now. But of course, uh, the main event uh, is the bantamweight debut of Frankie Edgar taking on Frankie Munoz or Pedro Munoz, excuse me. And obviously, Frankie is a big underdog in this one. Whether we're you know we're talking about the actual betting lines or we're talking about the DK lines or, or the multiplier on Superdraft, not necessarily the case on FanDuel because we know how FanDuel works in that situation. But let me just start off here. How does Frankie Edgar pull off the upset? So Frankie Edgar has to try to get back to what made him so successful in the UFC, and it's um, utilizing his speed advantage over most fighters. Uh, he had the speed advantage over a lot of guys in 155 pound division. Um, he never really had to cut weight, but now late in his career decided, you know what, I'm going to drop down to 45. And then when that kind of didn't work, now I'm going to drop down to 35, probably the weight class that he could have been reigning and defending for a very long time. Um, he needs to mix in his boxing with his takedowns. Now he needs to be careful in doing so because Pedro Munoz is no slouch at all, has excellent takedown defense, um, phenomenal boxing, but very, very good chokes as well. So like he will threaten guillotines from everywhere and he's caught tons of fighters with him. Um, you know, if Frankie Edgar was making this move a lot earlier in his career to 135 pounds, I could definitely see a path for success. This is a tough matchup against Pedro Munoz, who has really been rolling and really only looked human against uh, some of the elite in the division. And, you know, you think about his fight against Aljamain Sterling, Aljamain hit him so many times, but I could take some positives out of that and saying that Pedro Munoz could take a shot. And can we say Frankie Edgar can take a shot at this point in time where he was notorious for having a great chin, but you know, the older you get, the more damage that you take uh, throughout your career. Now you combine that with a drastic weight cut, even if it's not too much, but when you, whenever you cut a lot of weight, you're more susceptible to getting clipped and knocked out. So for me, I'll have a few Frankie Edgar lineups because maybe he does keep it on the feet, avoids the KO and mixes in some takedowns. But I think it's Pedro Munoz, even at 9,000, I think it's a nice spot for him. Yeah, some uh, interesting on the over-under number on this fight. The under three and a half rounds, minus 125, over three and a half rounds, plus 105. Uh, you know, obviously with this being a main event and, you know, as DFS players, you know, the question is, is, you know, I guess the last thing you really want is a Pedro Munoz third round finish. Yeah. If, if you're a Pedro Munoz backer, you love this thing to go five rounds, but we saw his fight against Aljamain Sterling, you know, you know, land a hundred over a hundred significant strikes. You think give him an additional 10 minutes, you know, what can he do there? By the way, there's been an over under number set on our show here today, Pete. What's that? Uh, the number is three. Four. How many times I'm going to troll you? Ah, oh, it's a goodness. You're going to have to, yeah, I'll take the over all day long, <laughs> smash the over on that line. <laughs> that is the easiest bet in history. Um, yeah, man. I, I mean, for, for Pedro Munoz against Frank Yeager, like Pedro Munoz missed a lot when he was, you know, trying to throw hands at uh, Aljamain Sterling. And that could be the one thing that you, that could work in Frank Yeager's, you know, in Frank Yeager's favor is if he can avoid the shots. He does have a great boxing coach in Mark Henry, who's possibly one of the best striking coaches out there. Um, combines great boxing techniques with evasive movement. So, I mean, you think of what Cody Garbrandt just did in his previous bout, that was, you know, a lot to do with because he was working with Mark Henry and he seemed to really settle himself down. Um, we could see a Frankie Edgar vintage performance, uh, performance right here, Jason, but I just really don't see it happening. Uh, I know Frankie Edgar personally. I lived at his parents' house. 
He used to pick me up every day for practice. We used to go all the time. I'm rooting for Frankie Edgar. So, you know, no mistake about it. I'll be rooting hard for Frankie Edgar and I'll have a few lineups because if he does work in his takedowns, you would like to think that his 35 fight, you know, experience could start to show. Um, and maybe he could start to, you know, pull away from Pedro Munoz. Now, as the fight goes on, I don't know who that really favors, Jason. Like, because you'd like to say that the longer the fight goes, the more possibilities that Pedro Munoz has to clip him and hurt him and finish him. Um, but also, I mean, Frankie Edgar could literally just race to a decision with takedowns and high volume. Yeah, you know, one of the questions we already got uh, from Sam asking, he goes, any stackable fights with there only being 11 fights? Uh, you know, to me, no, just because yeah. I, I don't, because I, I look up and down this card, there are fights that I go, that's a GPP fight. That's a fight you got to roster. That's, like, I, there is one, two, three. I got four fights that I believe you have to roster. You yeah, have to, okay. I, I, in terms of, and, and there are fights that I think could go either way. Right. Yeah, so, so there's so many volatile matchups here, and uh, you have a lot of matchups against newcomers. You have a lot of matchups against, you know, probably not UFC-ready fighters, and uh, usually the outcomes vary in those fights. So if you're on the wrong end of that, you could be on the outside looking in. Um, Frankie Edgar is notorious for being tough and resilient, so perhaps stacking the main event isn't a terrible idea. I'll, I'll have it in a few. Just because uh, if Frankie Edgar does survive, it's probably through a lot of movement, you know, landing strikes, mixing in takedowns. I can see it being a close fight, but I do think Munoz betters him and gets the victory here. So that's probably the only fight that I've looked to stack, to be honest. I think it just comes down to how you can construct your roster. You know, as you, you know, go down, I mean, there are, I mean, if you like Pedro Munoz, there's some other high-end options you may like as well. You know, how do you construct your roster? I mean, you know, when when I think of fights that, to me, are – I see either guy winning. The co-main event is a prime example of that, of Alonzo Minifield and Ovin St. Prue. Obviously, you know, we saw Minifield suffer his first loss last time out against Devin Clark. You know, you know, nearly getting the finish there in the first round. Devin Clark uh, survives. You know, the one thing that, uh, that you saw from Minifield in that fight with it being his first loss – he didn't see any quit in the guy. You didn't see him fold. You know, he kept coming. Obviously, the gas tank wasn't there. The last time we saw OSP was at heavyweight against Ben Rothwell. He's now back at, at 205 pounds. Uh, you know, I would think you imagine the ground aspect of this fight is advantage over St. Prue. But the one thing I do wonder is, you know, with the the strength and power that Alonzo Minifield has, if this fight is going to be able to ground, is he just going to be able to power his way back to his feet? Yeah, so 8,300 Alonzo Metafield, the value is crazy on him. Um, he should be a 9K option. I just don't know about this matchup. I think that the price is appropriate because Ovin St. Prue is definitely his, his toughest uh, test yet. Ovin St. Prue has a significant ground advantage over Alonzo Metafield. Um, the problem with OSP is, the, is he just, he tends to be a little too lackadaisical and doesn't throw enough volume or doesn't initiate enough takedowns and seems to fade as the fight goes on. Um, Metafield's a, a round one kind of guy, but you did see he, you know, was able to survive against Devin Clark, who's a grindy gritty type of fighter that will take you down over and over and over and, and keep that body upper, upper body pressure on you, uh, especially against the cage. 
Ovid St. Prue might be a little too big for Alonzo Menafield against the cage and could just weigh on him and zap his energy. This is literally a cardio nightmare. Um, I can see it going either way. I'll have plenty of shares because I'm expecting Alonzo Menafield to go out there and throw some heat and try to take OSP out because we've seen OSP really uh, falter when guys press him and start you know, going for the kill. And uh, I think OSP is capable of being bullied here. He's older now, 37 years old, has almost 35 fights, 40 fights. So that is insane. Um, I just don't know if Menafield's able to put him away early or withstand, you know, the grappling OSP because OSP could literally go out there and get the brakes beat off him for round one and around rounds two and three, make it close by, you know, being, you know, Menafield being fatigued. So for me, I, this isn't my favorite fight, but OSP at 7,900 is enticing if he can get him to the mat. So I'll probably lean more OSP based on uh, value. You know, someone was asking about, uh, you know, saying Alonzo will be highly owned on DK at only a 300 with high upside. I can tell you right now, he he's not one of the highest owned fighters in, in terms of our projections. And if you want those projections and, and get an MMA plus MMA weekly pass, you got to go over to awesome.com forward slash join and get that weekly pass for eight ninety five, where you can get those ownership projections fighter projections and the top fighters tool myself and Pete, we use this tool every week, every card. Um, you know, for me, I'm looking at that top fighters tool. Who's, who's got the best chance of being one of those top six fighters. Obviously ownership projections, Pete is, is something that I'm always looking, looking at of, you know, because look, especially in an 11 fight card this week, ownership projections is going to be something I'm going to be looking at every day because it's going to be hard with only 22 fighters to be contrarian. Yeah, you have to figure out which chalk you can fade and which chalk you have to eat and kind of ride that wave in order to find some success. Because, like, say you have a smash spot and you don't choose that fighter, um, you could be on the outside looking in. So, say, like, Giannis is facing a depleted uh, Orlando team. You know, that, that's a very nice matchup. And uh, we'll get to the fighter, but I think Agapova is a very nice spot, you know, free square, so to speak. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. There's, there's going to be some chalky ones. But to me, like, as I mentioned, to me, there are, I think, four fights you have to seriously look at that you have to, it's especially in terms of these big GPP tournaments. Yeah. You know, if I told you, pick the four winners of Alonzo Minifield, Ovin St. Pru. Daniel Rodriguez, Takashi Soto, uh, Ike Villanueva, Jordan Wright, and who was my fourth one? Uh, it was only three. Those three are good, though. I, I see what you're saying. I think I think those are uh, those are the three that you really and because of their salaries are similar that you can build lineups where you're just, you know, putting one in one out. Like I, I know Kyle was asking about how, when you're making 150 lineups, how many are not going to have Mike, Rod the Mike Rodriguez fight. I, ugh. That's a fight that I think is, is a GPP fight. I just don't know if I want to pay up for Mike Rodriguez, just based on the previous performances. And one of the things that concerns me about Mike Rodriguez, it also concerns me about OSP of being in that small cage, they tend to back up a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, if you backpedal a lot or you're more of a counter striker that doesn't do well with pressure, 
a small cage is usually not the best place for you to fight, especially if you have takedown, um, you know, defense, you know, defensive problems. And Mike Rodriguez has shown, you know, a susceptibility to being taken down and controlled and out grappled, but he doesn't have to worry about that in this matchup against Proc Neal. Uh, Proc Neal comes in at 7,300, 0-2 in the UFC. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor, because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Rodriguez is 1-2-1 and one in the UFC, coming off a KO loss. Um, I know I know Mike pretty well, and you know we're from the same New England scene, uh, fight for the same promotion. Well, not anymore. Uh, and uh, Mike Rodriguez is very explosive for the weight class, um, has a significant reach advantage, an eight-inch reach advantage over Procneo. So he's a big guy. He's 6'4 for the 205-pound division. Um, you know, it's just the output of Mike. Sometimes it's not enough if he doesn't get the early finish. And then you also have to worry about his cardio issues. Um, I think Procneo has a ton of defensive issues. Um, you saw him walk into some big, big shots from Sam Alvey, basically just marching forward, charging forward with his hands down. So from a technical standpoint, Mike Rodriguez is, you know, much more technical than Procneo. But I think that Procneo's aggressiveness, if he can get inside that long reach of Mike Rodriguez and make this an ugly, dirty fight, Pressure is, is crazy, especially when you're talking about a fighter coming off a KO loss. And I know Procneal is, you know, he's winless in the UFC, but he could be really hungry coming off a long layoff as well. So this is a, a fight that I'm going to be targeting, Jason. And I'll tell you, a lot of my decision making will be based on weigh-ins too. I want to see how a lot of these fighters look, uh, get a better read on it as well. But I, I expect Mike Rodriguez to be able to keep him away and uh, just be the sharper of the two. But Procneo is a very, very good GPP dart. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button right here on YouTube. Also, be sure to give us uh, a, a subscribe to the Osmo channel. Hit that notification bell, let you know when new shows are up there. Uh, of course, uh, later tonight, I'll have the MLB Early Bird podcast. So be sure to check that out. Uh, you know, with Mike Rodriguez, A900 um, price point kind of concerns me just based yeah. on the history um you know if you look at the betting odds the, the expectation is that he's going to win by strikes inside the distance um you know it's just like as i look up and down this card there is just so many fights that i'm like man I can see it going either way yeah i mean if you really care about your money you got to be very careful on this card and uh i mean if you're a little reckless you could take advantage of some spots because you could already tell where chalky plays are going to come in. You know, Agapova is going to come in with crazy ownership. Munoz is going to come in with crazy ownership. Uh, Valaev is coming in with crazy ownership because he just has a uh, last minute replacement. So you can kind of see where the public's going to be looking. And, um, you know, I, I think that the Mike Rodriguez Procneo fight is one that should be targeted. Uh, you know, another fight that I believe should be targeted is Daniel Rodriguez and Takashi Sato. This is one of these fights that I truly do feel that uh, good chance is going to end up in the optimal lineup. You know, we, we were talking about this fight a little bit earlier. I, you know, look, Takashi Sato, you know, he's got that massive right hand and left hand that he can throw. He can knock out any moment. Uh, but Daniel Rodriguez, to me, is just he, he's, a, he's a more complete fighter 
Um, also, I mean, look, if you look at the wins that, that Sato has had in, in the UFC, Ben Saunders, you know, obviously towards the, the very tail end of his career, Jason Whip, a 55er, steps up to take a fight at 70, you know, on 24, 48 hours notice. Um, I do like Daniel Rodriguez in a spot. And, and one of the questions we got was if Sato and Rodriguez goes to a decision, do you think they can still score over 100 points without any takedowns? I would say that for the fighter to get over 100 points and not have any takedowns, I would have to believe that is Daniel Rodriguez because he throws at an an insane amount, 8.6 strikes per minute, crazy, crazy volume, but doesn't have the best defense in the world, absorbs 6.8 strikes per minute. Sato is more of a patient, methodical type of striker with a judoka background as well. So whenever you're facing a fighter who's very patient and they're looking for that perfect shot. Sato's that guy. You're not always going to find the the perfect shot, Jason. So if that's how you're brought up and that's how you really developed is finding that perfect shot when that, when you don't have that and that doesn't come to you, sometimes you're behind on the scorecards and I can see that happening here against Daniel Rodriguez. I think Daniel Rodriguez at 8,700 is a very nice play basically because he's well-rounded. The guy can strike. He throws crazy volume. We've seen him tested against some UFC proven fighters. And we also know that he can take people down and submit them whenever he wants. And I would suggest he does that against Takashi Sato here because Sato really does not have the ground game, you know, to compete on the UFC level, has a great judoka background. So he has good trips and okay takedown defense. But the problem with judoka fighters is that Whenever, whenever a wrestler or jiu-jitsu guy engages for a double leg takedown, so to speak, they, get, they have a real bad tendency to give up their back. And they reach over to grab the lat, almost like similar to how a judoka would throw with the gi. Now, um, facing a guy that has such a submission background in Daniel Rodriguez from 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, you give up your back. You saw what Bala Muhammad did. was able to you know, submit him with a rear naked choke. I like Daniel Rodriguez here at 8,700, whether it's via uh, strikes, you know, getting a decision, a TKO or a submission. I think that he has more ways to win and I'm backing him at 8,700. So I've got the toughest question of the night for you. Okay. You have any idea what it might be? I have no idea. How does Shane Dobson win? Um, so Shane Dobson, I don't know how she's going to win. Um, tag somebody in. She's going to have to do something um, because I don't suspect her to be Agapova here. Agapova is one of my favorite fighters on the card. And, you know, it's not like I'm telling you guys anything. She's a minus 1,200 favorite for a reason. Shayna Dobson is three and four overall, one and three in the UFC. Agapova really shined in that bout against Hannah Cyphers, who's notorious for being tough and gritty, doesn't get finished too often, um, especially if it's not via submission route. And, uh, you know, let, let me just say that Agapova has great submission skills. She has great striking. She could put you out whichever way. So I really like Agapova here at 9,300. And, you know, I usually don't back uh, women's MMA too much for DFS because it, it usually bites me. But I think it's a smash spot for Agapova 9,300, whether it's be a volume of strikes or for some reason, if she decides to take her down and work just a safe route of submissions. I think Agapova is a very nice play all across the board. Dobson should absolutely be scratched off your board on every platform. 
Uh, you know, in terms of uh, Agapova, and obviously, you know, she's the most expensive fighter on this slate at ninety three hundred. Is can she pay that off if she doesn't get a finish? I think so, and the reason I think so is because her the level of her opponent. I don't think her opponent's really good. Uh, I think they're keeping her opponent around because they realize that they have a potential star in Agapova who that they are looking to build slowly and really turn into um you know a nice contender in this division so agapova was smart calling her out in the post fight because she knows that she needs some time in the cage and she needs to really just uh you know get accustomed to ufc level talent even though dobson's not that but she can work on her craft while she's under the bright lights because it's totally different when you're under the lights than when you're in the practice room uh you know looking at Looking at the over under numbers, under one and a half rounds, minus one sixty. Uh, That's crazy high, Jason, for for women's MMA. Yeah, I mean, even if you wanted to take a TKO KO prop on Agapova plus one thirty, if you think Shane Dobson's going to win by TKO KO, twenty to one odds. I don't know how, man. I mean, anybody can get cracked with a shot, and she does have decent hands. Um but I just don't see it happening. I think that she's lucky to have this bout. Uh, maybe she's been working on something else. Maybe she tries to take Agapova down and hold her on her back. I, I don't know, but I don't see a path to victory for Dobson. Someone says Agapova is lock city. Yep. I'm locking her in and I don't usually say that. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I mean like, Oh, if she doesn't end up paying off her price, I'm okay with it because I just know it's a safe win. So she's a cash game staple. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at, but always, not necessarily speaking about this fight, but just in general, you got to look at the weigh-ins. And here's a, a perfect example of it. And we'll see tomorrow night if it plays a factor or not. But when I see Ryan Bader stepping on the scale and he's clearly having issues pulling especially his right arm up to flex for the camera i'm like ooh, that doesn't look like he had a good weight cut yeah so i think it's a you have to be careful with your assumptions through weight cut analysis because sometimes you could be misled just because somebody looks ferocious and really that shouldn't influence you too much it should be more on the health of the fighter and their well-being and seeing if they're completely zapped uh we can talk about your boy in your MySpace top eight, Herbert Burns. Um, it's complicated, you know. okay? It's complicated. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's also something to monitor is when when fighters are jumping around from weight class to weight class. Uh, Ryan Bader's doing that over in Bellator. OSP is doing that over here on this card. So how do these guys handle dropping down to the lower weight class that they used to normally fight at? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, another female fight that we have on this car, we got Amanda taking on uh, Mizuki. Uh, minus 220 is he over two and a half rounds. Yeah, I, I think this could be a, um, a tough matchup, and I would tread carefully just because of, you know, the other female matchup, Agapova-Dobson, is a nice spot for Agapova. This one could go either way. I, I like, in a way, here at 8,600. I just don't think that I would end up paying that for her i think that she's going to get it done she's the more technical of the fighters she's fought at who's who uh, on her resume you can go back to even early on in her career she's fought some legitimate competition that should have prepared for this uh lamos is extremely aggressive and throws some crazy crazy punch combinations 
Um, but in saying that she absorbs a lot of punches as well. And if in a way has something, she has great grappling, but very fast hands. So, I mean, they, they both have a negative ratio for the UFC careers. Um, in a way is at 6.2 strikes thrown absorb 8.2 Lamos is 6.5 absorb 9.05. So be careful in this situation. I, I would almost rather somebody else deal with the headache and uh, not have to worry and not have to really, you know, be kicking myself for rostering this fight. It's one of these fights. I don't know if I'll have, a, a, I think I'll have a very small share of, yeah. but it doesn't matter the platform. Yeah. I mean, Lamos at 7,600 is not a terrible play because uh, she has, she has the more thudding shots, I would say. So she has a little bit of a power advantage, but the crisp technique and uh, you know, the overall game of anyway, I like at 8,600. Um, for me, I just expect it to go the distance and not be the best DFS score. I feel like potentially you have to look at Hubbard and Selecki here as a potential fight that it may be more better for cash games than GPP games, depending on what happens. Uh, Joe Selecki, 8,400, Austin Hubbard, uh, 7,800, uh, $15 uh, for Hubbard on FanDuel, 16 um, for Joe, and then uh, nice multipliers on both sides of this, uh, where you got Austin 1.45 times on Super Draft, 1.3 times uh, for Slucky. Uh, you know, look, I love the gym that Austin's at there at Elevation there in, in Colorado. You know, so, certainly a, a gym that has been on a roll for the most part. Yeah. Um, I, I, in terms of from a DFS aspect, I think I like the value here on Austin, but my only concern is that he goes three rounds and he doesn't get the points we want. Yeah, I think Hubbard's going to be a very popular play at 7,800. And I think it's more based on his performance last time against Max, Max Roshkoff. Uh, and just, uh, you know, showing he that gone. He's, you know, huh? He gone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> one, you know, fight, one fight and uh, see, that's a, I'm telling you, that is a situation where I, I, I think the UFC was sending a, a message to managers out there about that one, mm -hmm. because that was a situation where Max's managers were really pushing Max on the UFC for a while. Like yeah. I heard like when he was like two and three and Oh, they were pushing him on the UFC. So I think his cut, I think is as much about UFC sending a message to managers about if you push someone on us and we give him an opportunity, cause you say he's the next great thing and he's not, not going to be here for long. Yeah, I think it's a definitely a statement uh, by the UFC. Um, you know, he brought uh, brought on a lot of negative attention as well. And, you know, any attention is good, but you don't want bad press, so to speak, in the terms of, you know, fighters' health and safety. That's one thing that's uh, that I have to say. You don't want negative press on. So Austin Hubbard here at 7,800 should have the experience advantage and comes from a stronger gym than Joe Selecki. But I do really like Joe Selecki's game, uh, you know, very aggressive grappler, has submission ability. So the finishing ability is there for Selecki. Um, I, I just don't know if he's been truly tested. And I know that Austin Hubbard's kind of been prepared for a matchup like this. If you even think about his uh, debut, uh, fighting Davi Ramos and then now Marco Madsen and then uh, Max Roshkoff, like, He's almost going to be prepared to fight any grappler out there. Um, and I think that Selecki is still slick enough 
that he can put Hubbard in some bad spots. Hubbard's going to have to overcome some adversity here. And it's Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kind of like the, the constant in every Hubbard fight is how much can he take how many positions can he get out of? And then what can he do after all that? It's almost like he has terrible takedown defense, um, okay submission defense, but he puts himself in bad spots. So he should be, you know, he's lucky that he's not finished too often. Um, I know that you like Hubbard here at 7,800, but for me, the value's there, but the the score is a little tricky for me. I still think Joe Selecki could end up uh, catching him with a submission here. So I'll I'll dabble with some Joe Selecki at eighty four hundred and have a few Hubbard. One of the fights that has changed this week was the fight for Dwight Grant. Uh, he is now taking on Kalen Bourne. We're supposed to take on Jared Gooden. Uh, eighty eight hundred on DK, seven thousand for Kalen Bourne. Kalen Bourne is actually a guy I've I've talked to in the past. Uh, you know, you know, fought in LFA's, fought in Shamrock FC. He is coming off a win. Prior to that. He had a decision loss there at LFA 57 against Austin Jones. Uh, you know, Dwight Grant's a guy that uh, obviously there's been a lot of uh, praise for him in terms of as a prospect. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's a situation where I go, do you feel comfortable? Would you rather have a Dwight Grant 8,800 or a Daniel Rodriguez or Mike Rodriguez in that type of spot? See, I like Daniel Rodriguez a lot just because I've seen Sato struggle with grapplers. Uh, Mike Rodriguez, Procnia, that's a coin flip of a fight. And uh, despite the technical advantage of Mike Rodriguez, Procnia could make it interesting with getting inside of that range and making it ugly, especially because Mike Rodriguez just got knocked out. Um, you know, Grant should be in a smash spot here at 8,800 against a you know late-minute replacement in Bourne. So I don't hate it. He could be one of these guys that could come in very low owned and I might take advantage of the situation because I'll have plenty of Dwight Grant at 8,800. I don't have much interest in his opponent born because I think uh, uh, Grant can, you know, avoid some bad spots, punishing him on the feet. The problem with Grant is kind of, you know, Takashi Sato's problem. And it's finding that perfect shot, being a little too patient for your own good. And when you're too patient, you could be down on the scorecards or you could just win a lackadaisical decision. So Dwight Grant is the pick for me at 8,800. And uh, I think he could come in pretty low owned. So I'll take advantage of that. Yeah. And, and that's what we, we talk about with those tools we have over at awesomeo.com is, is using those ownership and, and how you can make it work in your favor of, of who are going to be some fighters that maybe you really like, you think has got a great chance to get, you know, a big performance. I know earlier in the chat, someone was asking us how we help build our lineups, Yeah, you know, and, and really for me, it's about 
who is my core? Maybe it's just one fighter. Who am I, who's that one fighter? I'm like, you know what? I want to have that fire in my alignment because a, I'm, you know, I'm very uh, comfortable with that fighter. Did not work out for me last week. Um, but you know, and, and that's typically how I build my lives. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for finishers, finishers and takedown artists. Yeah. So the first thing I do when I make a lineup is I uncheck, uh, Dobson at, you know, 6,800. That's the first thing I'll do this week. And, uh, you know, that I like process of elimination, Jason, it makes things easier and, you know, it doesn't distract you. So I'll go in there and I'll uncheck fighters. I'm not even considering and Dobson is one of them. Um, you know, in the fantasy cruncher tool, you have the thumbs up next to fighters names or players names, whichever sport you're using. And the more times you smash that thumbs up or the dislike button on them, the more times they'll appear in your lineup. So that's something there. You could always pull up the advanced options and start to alter your percentages and uh, the randomness for your lineups as well. Uh, I like to find one fighter that I really like, uh, which would be Agapova here at 9,300, despite the heavy price tag. I'll, I'll have plenty of her. I'll probably have at least 50% or more. Um, I want every combination with Agapova. So one of the fights I mentioned that I believe that you're going to have to roster is going to be Ike Villanueva versus Jordan Wright. Of course, Ike losing his UFC debut early this year, going up to heavyweight. Ike has fought at middleweight, heavyweight, and uh, light heavyweight. This one will be at light heavyweight. Uh, Jordan Wright, he's a middleweight, but he'll be uh, stepping up here uh, to take on uh, – on Ike and uh, Sam appreciate the uh, tip there and donation. We uh, really do appreciate it. Be sure to smash that thumbs up button here right now on YouTube, but uh, Jordan, Wright, <sighs> Look, there is nothing wrong with putting yourself in favorable matchups, Yeah, but there becomes a point where that's got to end. And for a big stretch of this guy's career, for his first one, eight fights, he didn't fight anybody. I'm just going to go down the list. 0-0, oh, 0-0, 0-5, 0-0, 0-21, 0-10, 0-0, 1-2. Yeah. That's- like, when I see that, that's always concerning to me. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he did get a nice win, in, two nice wins in LFA, but he got starts on the contender series. It's a no contest because Anthony Rodriguez, uh, you know, tested positive for you know, for he had more. He was above the threshold for marijuana. I mean, but he got starched in that fight. And this is a fight where is he on the speed advantage? Yes, he will. Power advantage to me is on Ikeville and the wave aside. Um, but this is a fight that I'm like, you know what? You're going to have to roster one of these two guys. Yeah, I don't care. I'm not rostering right here. Uh, I'm taking a stand. And, uh, you know, I know Villanueva went out there against Chase Sherman and really didn't put on a great performance. He had moments, but for the most part, he was getting lit up. But I want you to realize that that fight was booked relatively in short notice. And I think now Villanueva is able to make some adjustments and have a longer, better camp behind him. Uh, Right. We'll have the speed advantage, slight height and reach advantage. Um, the kicking advantage will go, will, you know, favor right as well, but I can't back it, man. I, I can't, I don't care that Villanueva has 10 losses. He has, you know, 26 legitimate fights and uh, right is 10 and 0 against people from the crowd. So for me, I like Villanueva here, despite the 10 losses, I'll have plenty of Villanueva. Um, 
I expect people to see right at 10 and 0 and really pump up their ownership just based on, you know, facing a guy who has 10 losses. And I think this could be a trap if you're looking at right. So someone uh, in the chat goes 0 and 20, 0 and 21 WTF LOL. So uh, that fighter primarily fought in the explode fight series. And anyone who knows about regional MMA knows explode fight series pretty much is uh can crushing central. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard of that. But, oh, uh, dude. So yeah. Explode fight series. Yeah. If you're looking for uh upside down records fight chart. So uh, the man that Jordan Wright beat on that night, by the way, he beat him in 10 seconds by spinning knockout. That was the last time he fought to finish his record. Owen 22. Gosh. Okay. I would okay, look, look, Pete, Pete, like at what point do you look at your fire and go, Hey man, this thing ain't working out. So that's a boxing mentality is to build just slowly with that to get a nice, pretty record. Because in boxing, if you have a defeat and you're not 20 and 0, you know, your career could be typically done. Like you're not going to be looked at um, for any big, big fights. MMA is a lot different. You'll see a lot different records. Um, Villanueva will be a tough test for Jordan, right? It will. Um, you know, he's a tough guy. Maybe not the most skilled, but he does have good hands and he is tough. So I've seen Wright hurt. I've seen Wright knocked out. Um, and I've seen Wright fold under pressure. And I know Villanueva was getting lit up by Chase Sherman, but Chase Sherman's huge. Um, give me Villanueva at 8,200. Look, you know, you're going to have to roster you one of these guys. I mean, yeah. my only concern with Ike is a speed disadvantage in, in that in that reign that that's the only thing that has any, any cause concern for me. Uh, Carlton and Matthew, this is, this is one thing I find really interesting. And I always talk about on this show of pay attention to the betting odds. Now, I don't know, maybe there was a tout service that, uh, was all over Matthew. When this line opened, he was plus two fifty five. It's now plus 100. I think it's fair though, that the footage of Samuelsberger, um, I know that he has two defeats, but he's very aggressive striking and seems to, uh, you know, have great finishing instincts. I think that he could put Menace in some tough spots here. Now, this isn't my favorite fight to target just because you're talking about so many unknowns and, uh, you know, the strength of schedule for both of them isn't up to par with like what a lot of UFC records, anything's better than what Jordan Wright's been doing. But um, I, I like Selmsberger here a little bit at 7,700. I think that he is an interesting pick and could pull off the upset minutes at 8,500 could do it as a 70% finish rate. Um, and we have seen Selmsberger finish in the past. I'd rather put my money where I can actually, uh, you know, see footage of guys or, you know, see them tested at higher, you know, promotions. I, I want to see what these guys look, you know, look like on the weigh-ins and then I will be able to judge a little bit further, but my initial pick is Samsberger. Yeah. I mean, just kind of go back on the whole strength of schedule thing. And, and I know there is a thought process from some people in the MA industry that they don't, they want to see a, a boxing model come to MMA where basically you build a guy up for 20 fights before he essentially fights anyone. I'm telling you, that doesn't work in the UFC's eyes. The UFC yeah. eyes looks at you and goes and says, why are you not fighting anybody of note? And, and yeah. like, if you're a fighter watching this, I'm telling you, the UFC is going to question why you've never fought anyone. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. 
You know, I mean, it's just at some point and look, there is nothing wrong with building your career and building your record up. There is nothing wrong with that, but there becomes a point where you just can't have those kind of fights. You can't be, I mean, we, we talked about it, um, last week with, um, guy who got starched quick on, on the contender series. Um, he lost to Martin day. And then like, after that, he fought a guy who was Owen one. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you doing that? You know, yes. that that's like when, when I see that, that type on a, on a strength of schedule, it always makes me question things. Could be a red flag for confidence too. So could be two things. It could be a red flag for confidence. Could also be a red flag for coaching where the coaches are like, man, we got to get this kid more cage time and we need to build him up slowly because what we're seeing in the gym isn't impressing us enough. Uh, you know, Jordan Wright is out of Jackson's MMA. So it's kind of concerning that he's 10 and 0 out of Jackson MMA and uh, hasn't really faced too much of a challenge. And you saw what happened when he did. And he's lucky that win was overturned to a no contest. Um, I think that uh, I just, uh, I can't back right. I, I just can't do it. I, I if somebody else thinks that Wright's going to be in the optimal, that's fine. Um, I'll be fine if he ends up doing well. I mean, look, he's coming off a solid win against Gabriel Chicheco in LFA, but do you put more weight on that or when he lost in 40 seconds to Fluffy Hernandez? Yeah, I mean, Fluffy's good. It's not a bad fight. Um, if you're Jordan Wright, Villanueva is probably one of the worst – fighters in the UFC that's around your weight. So it ain't going to get any better than this. So it's almost like if you can't beat Villanueva, then you know that it's not going to work out for you. Uh, the opening fire of the night, Tim Ravaglia versus Trevin Jones. Uh, there is actually a betting line on this. Uh, Tim Ravaglia, a four to one betting favorite. Uh, Trevin Jones is plus 280. I would imagine Trevin Jones, DK salary. We don't know yet. I would imagine it's probably going to be in that 7,000, 7,100 range, you know, somewhere in there um, for this one, probably 7,100. 7, um, he's a guy that I actually interviewed a couple, probably about two months ago, trains over in Guam and uh, made a very smart business decision of, I know I can fly to the United States. Let me be in Vegas, ready to go. He's been training extreme couture, but man, tough matchup against Timur Valia. We, we've seen him in the world series of fighting. Um, the 9100 price tag uh, probably scares it scares me more on DK. The 20 dollar price tag on FanDuel is kind of intriguing to me. Um with what he may be able to do, um but I, I don't know if I'll have a ton of shares of him no matter what. I absolutely love Valiev here even though he's 9100. I think it's a great spot to take advantage of a of a fighter that even though he's been preparing for a fight, he's taking it on a short notice and I think Valiev's been UFC ready for years now. We've heard so much about him, um, you know, competed well in the World Series of Fighting. And you see he's got a well-rounded skill set, great striker, good wrestler. He can do everything for 135-pound division. The one worry is his finish rate coming in at 44% out of 16 victories. That's not the best thing, but it kind of comes with the territory for that division. Uh, I think that 9,100 could go a little bit overlooked because of what I just said, the weight class, his history. But – I don't want to take away from the potential of scoring high due to the accumulation of strikes or takedowns, advances and whatnot. I, I think Valley has a very nice, you know, pick here. Um, could be a, a pivot off of Munoz. If you don't think that he gets the best score against Frankie Edgar or a pivot off of Agapova's heavy ownership. 
I do like Valiev quite a bit. Samuel goes, is Jason playing the first five tonight? I'll have some shares of, of Tim Ravaliev, but uh, yeah, overall, I, I, you know, I, I just concerned with, am I going to find myself kind of like the Marab uh, fight from last week where he only scored 65 points? Yeah, that could, that could happen. Um, I mean, we call that. We, I knew that would be a tough matchup for him and uh, not the best DFS score. You know, for me, I try not to predict outcomes too much, like as far as like who's going to score what is very difficult to do. But I try to, you know, back fighters in good spots. And I think that Valiev's in a good spot here. Of course, uh, Pete, you know, you know what's right around the corner, right? What's that? That's football season. That's right around uh-huh. the corner, man. Come on. Aren't you, aren't you paying okay. attention? Training camp's going on. Okay. Pads are hit. Are you not paying attention to this? Because I know I am. Yeah. I mean, my Chargers are, they have the, uh, you know, whatever it is, the show on them right now. And I haven't even been watching because, yeah, Hard Knocks. I heard it's great. Oh, okay. I haven't watched the second episode, the first episode. Amazing. Did a great, great piece on Anthony Lee as Chargers fan. You got to check that out, man. Yeah. But, you know, fantasy football is right around the corner. Okay. You know, you got to take take advantage of the draft kit that we have going on right now for $29.95, where you can get our rankings, projections, sleeper tools, loads of content from our experts, plus the draft wingman, because that draft wingman, you need that wingman on draft night to help you come up with the to maximize the best roster you can. So you gotta check that out. Also, new members of the FFPC, your home for pay pay for play season-long fantasy football leagues and contests. You get a $35 credit when you sign up for an awesome draft kit. We're all looking for those draft kits. Got to check out that awesome draft kit. Take advantage of it right now. $29.95. I'm sure Pete will have one. Are, are you are you that that homer that you're going to have like five chargers on your team? I, I've ruined so many fantasy football you know, teams by doing that, like drafting Ryan Matthews and, and everything. But I'll definitely have my eyes on uh, you know Keenan Allen for sure. I, I love my boy Keenan. Just take Mike Evans, okay? Yeah, well, for your team, yeah. Well, I'm still praying we have a season, Jason. I hope it works. Tell you, man, get get excited seeing all the, uh, you know, the the footage of, of training camp. It's uh, you know, because of our world, like it's it's man, sports are it's it's great just to be able to sit at home every night, whether it's watching NBA, MLB, NHLs going on, lighting. Mm-hmm. advance on to the next round of the playoffs it's a good it's a good time to be in my household right now yeah i mean it's a great time for dfs in general i mean you always have something to play mma fights all the time um you know i'm i'm excited man i'm excited for the fights kind of uh but uh you know playoff basketball is what's really capturing my attention right now of course uh let's get uh the final 10 minutes here of the show will be nothing but listener questions let's first i'll start with matt he says, who's a heavy chalk with the best chance to lose, a la Sean O'Malley and Herbert Burns? Um, I would say that it would be it would be between Pedro Munoz and Mike Rodriguez are two of the top options. That wouldn't surprise me if they dropped the fight. Yeah, Mike was my uh my first thought was was initially the first thought I initially thought of. Uh, Big Sean says top three dogs on DraftKings. Um, see here, I would look at OSP, Marcin yep. at seventy three hundred. Um, I do like Austin Hubbard seventy eight hundred. We're missing like three fighters, like three salaries. So I want to see what these other guys are at. 
I don't have any interest in them. I just kind of want to see just to, you know, see where I could predict ownership and leverage. I mean, you got, well, the the only one on DK that we don't have is Trevin Jones. Um, do we have Wright and Bourne? Uh, Wright 7,900, Bourne 7,000. Oh, must've just happened. Very nice. Um, that's why when I looked earlier, that's what they had it as. I have to, I have to check. That. Let me, let me, all, let me all do the old double check. Make sure Jason right. did not see something that wasn't really there. Yeah, I mean, no. I think, I think Open say Prue is probably my favorite underdog, and I, I'm not in love with it. Uh, Procneo is probably my number two underdog because I can see him getting a finish. Um, you know, low level women's fight, and in any way at Lamos, even though they're, you know, in a way is highly skilled. I could see Lamos bullying her, so seventy six hundred is not a bad play. Yeah, born seven thousand, right? Uh, seventy nine hundred. Nice. Cash plays for Fanduel. Cash plays for Fanduel. Agapova nineteen is a steal. I love that. I really, really love that. Dwight Grant seventeen. I'd rather villain away, honestly. Dwight, I mean, Dwight Grant's good too. I feel I more feel comfortable good. that Dwight Grant's going to win. Yeah, I would be surprised if Jordan Wright goes out there and puts on a show. Um, I just don't see it happening there. Hmm. Just kind of scrolling down to get here some more questions. Someone saying they had 75% Pineda last week. By the way, I've got an interview uh, dropping tomorrow with Daniel Pineda. So I had a chance to talk to him nice. uh, earlier this week. Um, do you think Wright's going to be too small, though? He's much smaller than Chase Sherman. Yeah, I think he is. I mean, I mentioned how big Chase Sherman is. Chase Sherman's a big boy. Uh, and Going back to the underdogs that I, that we were talking about, I actually forgot to mention uh, Semmelsberger at 7,700. I, I kind of like him a lot. I, I like him a lot because OSP worries me at 7,900 because of the explosiveness of Menafield. And, like, I've seen it too many times with OSP just do nothing and is okay with that. He's content with getting beat up. Whereas I think Procneo is going to be hungry for a win and could take advantage of that. So 7,300 Procneo and Samuelsberger, 7,700, probably my two fave underdogs. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned this earlier, and for people who weren't uh, listening at that point, the thing that concerns me about OSP and Rodriguez is they tend to uh, backpedal, and OSP finds himself against the fence a lot. Yeah. And I just feel like that's a bad place to be against Alonzo Menafield. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about – a fighter who's equally as athletic as you. And usually OSP has that athletic advantage over his opposition where he's able to, uh, you know, find ways to take you to the mat because he's not really a wrestler by trade. Uh, he's a, he's a football player. He's a, he's an incredible athlete collegiately and, you know, transferred into MMA and man, he has nearly 40 fights. We have the Von Prue choke, which is incredible. And he takes people down and they grab onto his neck. He wraps his arm around their shoulder, connects his hands and puts people to sleep with, what was called the Von Flu choke. We definitely have renamed it to the uh, the Von Prue choke. It, you know, the guy has what four, three or four Von Prue wins. So the guy is crafty in there. But I almost feel like that's like uh, like Hail Mary. You're not always going to find that Hail Mary. And sometimes you need to just, you know, 
hit these slant routes. So I think Menafield could could possibly upset him here. Uh, Cameron mentions, he goes, I feel like the fights we look at the least always produce optimals. Not really a question, but yeah, LOL. I mean, look, look at last week, uh, you know, we didn't talk a ton about Janaroba and I mean, she went out and destroyed Felice Herrig, you know, in, 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 you know, what, two minutes? What it was minute and a half. If that I, uh, I had plenty of Janaroba. You weren't feeling it. I, I like Janaroba and, um, you know, a lot of times optimal lineups come from the most volatile fights. So if you want to really just take shots at having the number one lineup, you have to find the most volatile fights and target both sides of it. Because, uh, you know, I think the number one on this will probably be the Villanueva right fight. Um, that's, that's one of them. And then, uh, you know, the Rodriguez Procneo fight, like you have to, you know, target fights that people aren't comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the question is, is will Will Ike or, you know, will Ike be chalky? You know, that that to me is going to be the question mark is who outside uh, of Agapova and Munoz is going to be chalky. Yeah, um, we'll have to see. I mean, I think that uh, Daniel Rodriguez will probably come in pretty heavily owned and on a card of ugly matchups and everything. I think he's one of the most confident picks out there. Like, you know, when you're a multiple line player, it's going to be easy to kind of differentiate your, your, your salary, your rosters. If you're just say I put one lineup in, I play X amount of dollars every week. It's just that one lineup. Well, it's a tough week. Yeah. Single bullets are tough this week. Um, but I mean, you could have a read on it and, uh, you know, the, the main event and the main event is very interesting here. And, uh, I want to see what Frankie Edgar looks like on skills. Not really that it's going to alter my decision too much, but if I, if I see him have a rough weight cut, I'll be back in Munoz even more. You know, Samuel asked about Alonzo Menafield says, will he learn from his last fight to do better this time around and don't gas off as fast. So he comes from a great camp and that's a great point, Sam. Uh, he comes from a great camp, great coaches. And you would like to think that, he could take some positives from that fight. You didn't get finished. You didn't quit. Um, the most terrifying thing in, in there when you're in the cage is running out of gas and not getting knocked out or hurt. Those are literally like the last things on your mind. It's if I'm exhausted and I can't do what I'm capable of doing, that's terrible. And I'm a standing punching bag. That's a, uh, that's very terrifying. So I'm sure they've, they've worked on it and it's not like St. Prue has some incredible gas tank either. He gasses all the time. So this could really be the matchup to target. It's funny as, as I see the magic as Markel Fultz just missed a layup. Right. And, and I'll relate the two here where someone says, which favorite should we fade? I just saw that Chris Middleton only has two points. Yeah, I have Middleton. I'm looking at him right now and I'm like, man, goodness. Um, you know, some, who should we fade? You don't fade Agapova unless you don't think that she scores well because she's going to win I, the fight. I would say I would look at the other female fight. Yeah. Um. Like if I was going to fade a nine thousand option, it'd probably be Valiev. Not saying that I don't think he can't he, that he's going to lose. It's more thinking: does he score enough? 
that does he outscore the other 9,000 options? Yeah, maybe Munoz, though, because Munoz isn't facing an easy fighter at all. Um, well, okay, here, here's a question. What's the if I say there's a 50 50 shot, Munoz Edgar is not optimal. If Edgar wins, you got to imagine he's in the optimal. Uh, yeah, if he wins, he's in the optimal. But if Munoz wins, is he in the optimal? I don't know. It's because Frankie Edgar doesn't get hit that much. And, uh, you, you know, when he does get hit, he does seem to get rocked. But the guy's average time in the cage is 16 minutes and 46 seconds. Goes to show you he's made of championship material. Uh, his strike output is three and a half strikes per minute and his strikes absor- absorbed is 2.48. So like 2.48 is a very low number and that's because he moves his feet so much. And, you know, he's a little evasive, has good head movement. I know he's been working on that with, uh, you know, Mark Henry, his striking coach and Munoz did struggle to find the chin of uh, Aljamain Sterling. So perhaps he doesn't have the best score at 9K. I, I wouldn't mind fading him at 9K, even though I will have some shares, but maybe I'll go a little underweight approach. Of course, don't forget, coming up on Saturday at uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, I will be MMA live before lock, as myself and Pete will be live here on awesome.com to uh, lead you up to the UFC fight car, which does start at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So you definitely want to check us out on Saturday where that's a show where it is nothing but answering your questions, comments. We'll see. Ya. All right. Well, let's just end on this. Will fire miss weight tomorrow. Yeah. Somebody's missing weight. That's easy. I, I feel like that's an easy answer to say. Easy, easy bet. Somebody's <laughs> missing weight. Um, I'm going to say who's going to, I'm going to say OSP misses weight. Interesting one. Or or Daniel everyone, Rodriguez. I'm gonna say everyone makes weight. I'm gonna go contrarian on you. Oh, okay. That is contrarian nowadays. You stepping on the scale recently? Yeah, what? man. Trim it up, man. Trim it up. We got big fights around me, so who knows what's we, gonna are happen. Are we starting to see some abs? Oh, come on. Abs always been there. <laughs> abs have always been there, bro. I didn't put on bad weight, Jason. I just uh you know? Oh, the, the, the picture you put on your IG uh, story, I think it was today, of you uh, back in the day golfing. You look so – like, how young were you in that picture? 21, 22? What, what photo? I don't you know. and Cerrone. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, so that was five years ago. So, now I was 20 – I was 25. Yeah, so – my boy cowboy and i went out there and we went golfing and then i didn't have a shirt he's like hey where's my sponsor shirt we'll take a photo so yeah it was it was pretty cool playing golf with uh cowboy and pat haley by the way we need we need our listeners to come up with the number how many times i'll troll pete on saturday live before lock be sure to come up with that number hit us up on social media let us know where that's at uh, of course i'm at jason underscore floyd he is at pete the heat mma so let's go wrap it up for mma live before lock which you hear every week here on awesome With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.